Hello and welcome back to another episode of Drama School Dropout, the UK's third best drama podcast. As per usual, my name is Ingram Noble and I am your resident Drama School Dropout. This week it's episode 124 and I am joined by an absolutely fantastic actor who has took over our television screens this year, starring in the reboot of Waterloo Road. Please welcome to the podcast, Vincent Jerome. I'm, I'm going to make a confession, so if any of you are my former drama school lecturers, please stop listening now. It is important to reflect the world outside your window. The Cherry Orchard uh, by Anton Chekhov. I do PTSD. Then I was like thinking to myself, where would I wear it? Like, I can't go for a jog in it because then people would be like, look at this dickhead. Running in, 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 in the clothes he stole from his show. All of this and more coming up on Drama School Dropout. Drama School Dropout. Graduation day for you, drama school dropout. Fucked your whole course, now try something new, drama school dropout. Welcome to the podcast, how are we? Uh, yeah, I'm good, I'm good, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. The weather's been shit, but I'm going to be honest with you, I've been on like a double recording day, I finished one episode, and I went yeah. to the cafe at the end of my road, and they had Costco cake. And I bought Costco cake and I ate two slices yeah. of it myself. Amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it feels like, where where in the world are you at the moment? Glasgow. Glasgow. Okay. Right. Cool. So I'm in Manchester and it feels very much like a, a cake having kind of day as well. It does. Like, I don't know why. I've, I'm not even a Costco cake person. Do you know, like when people go to birthdays and like, like oh, mm-hmm. Costco cake. I'm like, it doesn't really phase me. I'm a, I'm a red velvet kind of gal. But yeah. I just saw it today and I was like, I'm having some Costco cake, and it's the best thing I've done all year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, good, good, good. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, make yourself happy. However that, however you can do that. There's not many people that would admit to just coming home. I had a toasty, and then two slices of Costco cake. Hey, that sounds. You know what? Right now, that sounds great. I, I mean, I would probably go back for more, but the cafe is shut, <laughs> and I'm not going to Costco. Ah. Maybe it's for the best, but you know. <laughs> Probably. You know, too much, too much of a good thing, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. How's life? Because I know, are you still shooting Waterloo Road? Is that, are you allowed to say if you are? Uh, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say. I, I know um, Holly and Ryan were there today because it was on their Instagram. I mean, if if, if they're saying, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess I am then. I guess I am. I don't know. Um, yeah, no. Um, no, I mean, I mean, if, if Holly and Ryan, like, yo, we here. No, yeah, I'm. I'm still. I'm. 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 I'm doing a few bits for the show. Yeah, it's fun. I, I binge watched the. I think it's seven episodes the other day, yeah. and I was like, I went into it a bit apprehensive. I'm not gonna lie, because I'm such a massive fan of like the original standing, and I was like, okay, they never work. I was like, reboots never work. They're always a bit shit, and I watched yeah. it all, and I was like, nah, they, they've like cracked it here. Great, I'm glad to hear that, especially for <laughs> someone who. Who uh, who liked the old one, you know what I mean? Because I think what I went into it was, like, the first standing of Waterloo Road, it was, like, gritty, and there was, like, taboo subjects and things like that. <laughs> and I think nowadays, media are sort of, they don't want to, like, attract negative attention, because you can never win in this world. You can fight no. for everything that's right, and there's still a handful of people that call you, like, a groomer or a racist. And... So I was like, they're not gonna, they're not gonna tackle these massive subjects. And I turn it on, and the first thing that happens is a protest on Black Lives Matter. And I was like, I am fucking hooked. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, it's good. To, it's it's it's, a, it's good to hear that, man. I mean, one of the things about the show, as you said, it always is to be a bit edgy. Be a bit, it is prime time, so we can't go yeah. as edgy as as we could with other. Uh, you know, if it was another time slot, but it is to be edgy in, uh, and ultimately is to reflect a version of the real world. And so it just feels right to start tackling some of those things. And I know some people, it jars with some people because maybe they just want a bit of escapism. Um, but at the same time, it, it is important to reflect the world outside your window, whether it's something that you as an individual experience or not it, this this is we are you you are telling stories that reflect other people's like so i think it, it reflects all types of experiences and i and i think that's yeah. where this version of the the show really excels all i can really say because you mentioned escapism there and i just want listeners i just want to take this second just to directly talk to you in the world that we live in right now, now is not the time for escapism. We have a really shitty government that are trying to fucking take everyone's rights away, regardless. So um, now's not the time for escapism. Engage with these conversations that are happening. Be on the right side of the conversation because most people are wrong. Well, not most people. A lot of people are. And most importantly, we're coming up, I think it's next year, which is the general election, register to vote, go and vote, do what's in your best interest and what's in the best interest of other people. And most importantly, fuck the Tories. That's that's all I really have to say about that, because I, I think it's such an important conversation, like you're saying, it jars with people because there's escapism. And the thing that I sort of have to say with regards to it jarring with people is if you watching something about Black Lives Matter jars with you. Imagine how it feels to people of colour that actually experience this. I can imagine that would be quite jarring. So maybe just grow the fuck up. It's yeah, but it's also it's also um it's also a bit more nuanced nuanced than that. I think hundred percent. I'm an idiot. Like <laughs> But this is why we in, in the show we have characters like Coral and Neil who they like in episode one, there's that great scene between Coral and Val in the playground where, you know, Coral's like, well, I can't say anything right. And Val's like, you know, I'm tired of saying as well. Like, everybody's tired. Everybody's yeah. tired. And that's that was really interesting because we're not saying that people who think a certain way are, are bad. We're not saying that people think another way is good. We're just saying that we're all just trying to get along. We're all just trying to make it work. And then in episode two, you have what I feel is a very um, layered conversation through the uh, Neil and Kelly Joe uh, story where Kelly Joe, I mean, it's, out, it's it's been on TV and it's on available on my place so I can speak about it freely, but like, you know, where, where, where Kelly Joe takes umbridge about spoilers ahead. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah, Kelly Joe takes umbridge with, with some of the teachers because Neil is a history teacher and yeah. Neil Again, he brings a very kind of nuanced argument to it. It's like, yes, X, Y, or Z did that, but then they also did good. And we history is, is far more complicated than black and white. Which this is actually, you know, we, we, I mean, we're on the topic now. This is something it, it is slightly moving away from the show, but we can jump back straight uh, to it. One thing I find funny about uh, about the current times is that we are moving towards this idea of acceptance and you know 
acceptance of people and, and how, how they are and all the rest of that. But I feel so much more people see things black and white, which is just so mind-blowing to me because it's all about, because all the narratives are all about like accepting people and people's rights. and But then at the same time, it's like, well, if you're this, then you're that. And it's just like, well, hmm. no one's ever really one thing. And I, I, I find that such a such a juxtaposition where in one hand we can be saying one thing but actually our actions totally undermine that yeah um yeah it's very uh, it's it's very confusing to me so mm. yeah i just want to like sort of bookend this conversation but i yeah. do not I'd like i i don't know i just constantly get scared that i say the wrong thing i do not claim to know everything i just try to do the best intentions do you know what i mean so please don't mm -hmm. come for me on twitter <laughs> um, but it's really funny that you mentioned Neil Fitzmaurice. I um, mm -hmm. I, I knew a lot about what was happening on the show just because I've had a couple of guests on that had, like, Katie Griffiths was coming on, and um, I'm not allowed oh, to cool. say this, but I'll tell you and I'll bleep it out. <laughs> just did an episode, and like I knew oh, what yeah, Lou Road right. was coming back well before I should have known because somebody told me on right. here. And I, I, I hadn't looked at who was coming in because I wanted to watch it. I obviously knew Chloe and Dante were coming yeah. back. And I was watching it and I was like, I know him from somewhere, Neil Fitzmaurice. I was like, where the fuck? And yeah. I couldn't figure it out. And I, I maybe sat for about two hours trying to think of it. And then I just Googled his name. Fucking Ravon from Phoenix Nights. He is. And I was he like, is. wow, what a juxtaposition yeah. of characters. But yeah, that's just like... That's what I took away yeah. from the first episode. Who the fuck do I, I know mean, him from? Neil is like, don't get it twisted, man. Like, Neil is great. Like, he's he's a great dramatic actor. And I know, like, I I am lucky enough to work with the guy. Mm. And I know he's hilarious. He's a lovely, lovely dude. But he is he is such a good dramatic actor. Like, yeah, it's really 100%. it's painful. Like, some I've said this, I've said this to him, and you know, I'm I'm I don't know if we're listening to this or not, but you know, I'm not saying anything I haven't said to him through text or to his yeah. face or whatever. But I just, I just like watching him. I just like watching him work. I just think he's so, so good. good. And me and him had a conversation quite early on um, working together. I think it might be the first staff room scene, and we were just talking about like art influences and actors we really admired. Neil Neil Fitzmaurice is one of these uh, one of these people who is extremely funny and has had a career being extremely mm. funny yeah but actually the people he admired were serious dramatic actors like uh like ben, a good example is like ben stiller ben stiller's yeah. favorite actor was de niro and so is neil's and so when neil said that i was like ah that makes sense, makes sense. that's why you're that's why you're able to do what you're able to do who's your favorite actor oh man i don't have i don't have one i don't yeah. have one favorite actor um i have uh, a number of them but if anybody you know i i kind of have a mount rushmore and some of the faces change but some of them don't but i will always say james james gandalfini was one of my favorite actors mm. and i know that he's most famously known as like tony soprano but he and he was fantastic as mm. tony soprano um and if you ever watch an interview with james gandalfini he didn't do many famously yeah. he didn't do many interviews but you could tell that that that, that he was he wasn't tony like he, that yeah. was, he was he was acting as boss but at the same time the thing i love about him as a performer is that he was a and i've said this before in other interviews but he was a big guy he was like six three and he was he was a he was a yeah. broad kind of bear of a man but mm -hmm. he just had such charisma and like tenderness and sensitivity in his roles 
and um not all of them sometimes he was you know he's really you know you know he's a piece of work in what the characters were but i will always go back to you know him in the julia roberts brad fit brad pitt film um the mexican where he plays spoilers for the mexican a uh a, a 10 maybe 20 year plus film um yeah i was only saying waterloo road because it's just came out <laughs> yeah you know what I mean? but like but like, you can't um, complain about spoilers for something that's been out longer than you've been alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, you know, he plays like a gay hitman. Do you know what I mean? And uh, there's a really beautiful scene where he's kind of sadly flirting with this other guy. And then you can kind of fast forward to another film he did called Killing Them Softly, where he plays this guy. And he's got two scenes, and both of them are Brad Pitt. And on face value, he seems like quite just disgusting, grotesque kind of guy. But actually, you as this as the, those scenes develop, you realize it's because and he's drinking too much and eating too much and swearing, taking drugs and all the rest of that. And he's just like he's a mess of a man. But you realize it's because he just broke up with his wife. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Stuff like that, where there's a bit, where there's a deep level of sensitivity. Um, I just I I'm attracted to those actors. Another actor I really like currently is someone like John Bernthal, who played Shane in The Walking Dead, and he played uh, um, he played Frank Castle, played the Punisher, but also he's played other roles where he's very much not those characters, you know, yeah. not these uber masculine kind of characters, and he just he just has a way about him where he can he can go to those places that he that he needs to go to, but he there's always. A level of um, emotional sophistication and, and integrity that I like, and because going back to what we're talking about about, about representation and stuff, I always like actors who, on the surface, seem like one thing, but when you dig in, there's a real richness to them. You know, because there's been many times in my life where people have seen me and people have judged me in a particular way, mm-hmm. and they've been surprised because what they thought I was or I was capable of doing was, you know, um, way less than what I was actually capable Um, I always like actors like that. I like actors with the level of yeah. emotional intelligence and sensitivity, yeah. I'm the same. I have a Mount Rushmore. Two of them are permanent and then the rest sort of interchange based on what I'm watching. Yeah, the two permanent ones, David Threlfall and Catherine Tate. Okay, interesting. And I, interesting. I love them both because obviously you're introduced to them as the Catherine Tate show and mm. Frank Gallagher, Shameless is one of my favourite TV shows of all time. Yeah. But then I'm a massive Shakespeare buff and both of them are hugely oh, yeah. accomplished Shakespearean actors. I remember yeah, the first yeah, yeah. time I ever watched like a, a behind-the-scenes interview with David Threlfall. And I was like, mm-hmm. do you mean you don't have a Manchester accent? Like, mm. what, what do you mean you don't talk like that? And I sort of got more into it and now I just worship the ground they both walk on. Yeah, sometimes you just... There's people that just that just get you. They get their hooks into you. You know what I mean? hundred percent. Yeah. Also, I want to give a shout out to Jeffrey Wright and Lawrence Fishburne as well. They are very much on the on the, on the Mount Rushmore. But I do. I want to rewind slightly, and I want to. Mm-hmm. Um, what I ask everybody that comes on the podcast is, how did you get into acting, and what was your first ever role? And it doesn't have to be a professional one. We love a good nativity story. <laughs> um. I okay. So if we go, if we if we're doing that. Um, I must. I, I. I didn't really. I didn't do drama at school. It wasn't an option. Um, Such a shame. And I'm finding that it. It wasn't an option. Then it like resurged and became really popular. But now, obviously, mm-hmm. because of all the funding, like I've found out re- quite recently that my old school no longer offer drama or music lessons. 
And I'm like, that's mm, shit. That is, yeah, that is crap. I mean, we we did do music in school, but um, I have, even though I always fancy myself as a musician, I, know, I have zero musical <laughs> talent. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like, if I'm, as much as I like the idea or something, if I'm not good at it, I quickly... You're not going to kid get, yourself on. Get, it, no, I just get bored at not being good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm just like... <laughs> I still um, fancy myself as quite the the singer, though. I do belt out a tune in the shower. Yeah, it's good. Do it, man. Do it. Great acoustics in the shower. Great acoustics in the shower. I, last summer, I had my window open. It's one of the most embarrassing things. Like, I live next door to my best friend's gaff and his uh-huh. little brother and um, his pals were... Should I say this? Oh, fuck it. I've said worse. They were outside smoking a joint in my car, right? Like, they weren't okay, driving. Right. They were just outside smoking. And I had my bathroom window open. And um, I'm in rehearsals for a play just now that I've been developing since the beginning oh, nice. of lockdown. And in it, the two characters sing Natural Woman by Aretha Franklin. And it's right. been constantly in my head because when she sings it, me and my best friend wrote it. We all look at each other and go, like, looking out in the morning rain. Ah-woo. And it's just been stuck in my head. And I was belting it out in the shower. And then I got out in the shower and they all started singing it as they noticed that I was stood at the window. And I was right. like, I want to kill myself right now. Okay. That's a hard, that's, you know, people people forget that's quite a hard song to sing well. I, you know? But I can't sing it well is the issue. This, but this is, yeah, but uh, this is the point. Like it's, you know, it's, it's, you chose, you, you really chose one that is, mm, yeah, it's a tough one. Well, in the um, show, it doesn't matter. It's about like the sort of connection, like the, the lady, Frida Macdonnell, I'll give her a shout out that sings the song. God love her. She tries, mm. but she can't sing. But the, and she was really nervous about it at the beginning. And I had to sort of sit down and say, we know you're not Aretha. It's about like the moment of like connection. Mm. Yeah. That's true. Yes, that is true. Um, yeah, feeling can go a long way. Feeling can yeah. go a long way. I went to college after uh, after my GCSEs, and I didn't get great. I didn't get great kind of grades with GCSEs, so I had to do like um, like an intermediate course in media, um, and then I was going to move up to do um, like advanced course in media. Yeah. But then with the advanced course, I could do an A level. And, you know, I was I was fortunate enough to move on to that course. And so when they said you do you can do media studies, um, but you can also choose an A-level. And I was just like, mm, let me just fuck it. Let me just let me do acting. And I remember that when we when I had that meeting with the, with the tutor, not the acting tutor, my, my, my yeah. tutor of the course, the media studies course. And um, he was like, yeah, good choice. That's a good choice. They go really go really well together, and I was like, okay, great. So I so I did I did two years of I did, I did like a you know a, a drama uh, A level, and um, did what was the first play I did the first play oh no we did extracts of plays because we had to get marked on yeah. it yeah so the first one I did was the Cherry Orchard uh, by Anton Chekhov I do PTSD. <laughs> yeah and i played um i played gaev the the, the brother of yeah you know, of, I played, of, of, what's he called trofimov yes yes yeah, yes that's yes. who i played um yes yeah, so i played i played gaev and I, again i've spoken about this before but we were doing it and um you know gaev has a as a as a soft spot for boiled sweets so I we would have, we did one scene and and I was I was like right and this I just made the decision on the spot like I was like right he's gonna be 
Nessie's going to be eating boiled sweets. Uh, and I'm going to say my line as if I'm eating a boiled sweet. So it will be so, some of it will be coherent. And then some of it will just be yeah. some mumbled, boiled sweet mouth rubbish. Uh, and I remember I did that. And my mate Neil, who was, because obviously we were doing extract. So our group would have done that particular scene. Then the other yeah. uh, group would have done their scene from the play, whatever, whatever. And I remember my mate Neil was in the audience watching watching that performance and he burst out laughing. And Neil has a very distinctive laugh. Um, and so he literally just burst out laughing. And I and I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. That's cool. Anyway, fast forward to um the end of the course. I was gonna do photography because I didn't really know what I wanted to do mm. with if I'm being hundred percent honest, I didn't really know what I was gonna do with my life, but I just knew I wasn't ready to enter the real world um yet. And I fancied myself as a photographer. And again, it was like music. Uh, I wasn't particularly good at it. Yeah. I was a particularly good photographer, but I fancy I like the idea of photography. And it's so hard as well. Yeah. Like, I'm, you know, in hindsight, I'm glad it didn't go that route. Um, Could have earned a shit ton of money being a headshot photographer, though. <laughs> well, no, I just didn't love it. That's what it was. Yeah. It's just like, you know, and, I, and my mum, you know, God bless her, she's... She she's always been one of those people who's like follow your heart kind of thing. I was leaving college and I'd already done the UCAS form and I'd already I'd, I'd already been accepted into a course doing photography and stuff. And uh, my teacher at the time, a guy called Dan, who um, I just I never remembered his second name, which is terrible. I knew it at the time, but I just can't remember it now. Um, so it's very hard to find it. So, yeah, he was like a six foot uh, scouse guy, dark hair muscular good looking and he he kind of pulled me to the side one time and, and he was like you know are you applying to drama school and I was like no because in my head I was like why and also I was like in my head not knowing any actors and uh, not knowing the route anyone takes and be and not having a computer at the time drama school is uh, a really foreign sort of subject when you don't like when you're not in that world yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. What do you know, mean? I, there's a school that I can go and fanny about on stage for three years? No, I knew I knew of drama school's yeah. existence, but in my head, it was like that's for rich people. And yeah. so I also I never really considered. I mean, publicly, I suppose I never really considered being an actor. I didn't think it, I didn't think it was an. I didn't think it was possible. And then when he was like, "I think you're good," and I think you should consider it. It's almost like he he empowered me mm-hmm. to believe and kind of really dream for that. Anyway, we conversation ended. We, you know, eventually parted ways. And I, I, that summer, I just, oh my God, I just did, I've always been a film fan. So I just did, did the deepest dive on films. I just watched films all the time, all the time. And like, I'd be, that summer I had some crazy insomnia as well. So I'll be up till like four in the morning watching movies. And I'm going through just, that right now. It's horrible. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just, I was devouring this. And I just, and I was just like, I really kind of love this. And by the time I got to September or October, whenever my photography course started, I was just like, mm-hmm. and I was, I did went to a few classes, but I was like, I don't really want to do this. So uh, I made a decision that I was going to drop out and then I was going to make some money for a little bit of time. But I would, as soon as I was able to, I would reapply to UCAS and uh, go to universities that offered uh, drama or performing arts because I was like, I know I can get a student loan. Now, obviously, I was totally ignorant. I didn't know that certain drama schools do grants and bursaries and loans and all the mm. rest of that but yeah and then i i, I got into uh, my course uh, my performing arts course at london metropolitan university uh, and did that for three years and really just was just like this is this is this is what i want to do you know one of my favorite things about drama school and 
like it fuels my life. We're going to play a game about them later cool. on in the conversation. Are funny and crazy drama school stories because I've said for the longest time that I don't know how people haven't written a sitcom about drama school yet. The mm. shit that goes on behind those doors that nobody would believe. Do you have a story you can share with us? At my time at uni? Yeah. Um, you don't have to name any names. You don't have to include really, You know what? I'm really, I'm really bad at shutting the door on things. Yeah. Like, so I, I don't really like to live in the past that much. Don't get me wrong. When I think of uni, I'm, I, it's, you know, I'm very fond of, yeah. of that time. And I have, I still have friends that I've known since uni. Yes. It's, I, I don't really, yeah, I don't really, I don't, I don't, yeah, I'm sorry. I think yeah, you gave me a bit of a disadvantage because I, I don't, literally don't have any stories I can tell. Um, I just think it's such a mad oh, time yeah. in people's lives. Do you know, like the Educating Yorkshire documentaries? Yeah. Yeah. Why has there not been an educating Rada? Obviously, because Rada wouldn't let cameras oh, yeah, in. No, but no, why? No. Why hasn't there been? We're going to follow the lives of seven students throughout their final year at drama school. But you know what? I know. I think it's a good idea. But I think maybe because everybody can understand. Maybe because it's maybe too specialist. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's why they haven't done it. Because Probably. everybody goes to school, but not everybody goes to a drama school. So yeah. I don't know. I guarantee this is how it would go down. The first yeah. episode would be released. The ratings would fucking tank because nobody would watch it because who the fuck wants to watch drama school students do their thing? Social media... <laughs> I mean, that's, go, a good, that's, that's good point as well. Social media would go yeah. fucking mental. The rest of the series, it would be one of the most watched things in the country. Right, okay. And so that's... you have to... Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm getting back to... It's all good. Um, sorry, yeah, my, my screen's gone funny. Um... Yeah, so you reckon so it would go, social media would go crazy because of what? Because I think everyone would be like, so for talking sick, like when we used to have to go in at eight o'clock in the morning and they'd be like, today we're doing an emotional recall um, exercise. Please mm. everyone go around the room and tell us your deepest, darkest secrets. Mm. Or like for something that happened at my showcase, my mm. knee dislocated on stage. And my oh, lecturer wow. shouted at me and was like, what the fuck's going on? And then we found out a girl thought she had COVID while we were at Showcase, but didn't tell oh, wow. anyone. Like, stupid things like that that happened. Like, yeah. one of my favourite stories that ever happened to me, it's not a favourite story because it's really fucked up, but it's funny. We mm. were doing, um, is it playback theatre? When, like, the audience tells a, a story and the actors recreate it. There right. was this one time, and me, my friend, and a boy that I didn't like, he was a bit of a weirdo, we all were told to play dogs and we were like, we're having the piss taken out of us. So let's just sit here. But the mm. guy that I didn't really like went full character and started sniffing the girl's ass. Right. You put that on telly. Tell me there's not 10,000 TikToks made about that. Right. Yeah. And then course. everybody's going to go, what the fuck is going on in this place? I'm going to tune yeah. in next week. Yeah. And I suppose, you know what? I suppose that's the thing as well. Like maybe it's best that there isn't one of these shows about <laughs> because because people wouldn't like people. It's not. It's, it's not normal. No, you know I mean? it's not. It's not normal. And the the exploration that we have to go on. Uh, you know, it, it, people will be like, "Why are you doing that?" It's kind of. It's almost like a, a form of like mental illness. You know what I mean, it's just like 100%. why are you, why are you, why are you, you know, opening it. Why are you being method and being a chicken? You know what I mean, like what that kind of stuff. Uh, so. I was also, going through uh, an old notebook not long ago and me and mm -hmm. my pal used to like just write stuff and like slide the notebook across and let us read it. And mm -hmm. I was, I, I found one that I'd written and it said, I won't name any names. 
if he wasn't an acting lecturer, he'd have been sectioned by now. Right. Yeah. I mean, I could probably say that about a few, about a few <laughs> of my teachers at school that weren't. That's true. Yeah. You know what? That's that, that's actually it's not that's not a story. But I, that's one of the things I do remember. I do remember looking at some of my lecturers and being like, "Wow, you're really you're really interesting. Like you're you're not you're not the average kind of cat." But then everyone's just slightly unhinged. You know, it, no, it was you know, it wasn't. Well, initially, I thought that because I was used to you know, I was used to kind of everyday people. Um, but one of the things I didn't really appreciate at first was that they're all practitioners. Yeah, they were all they were all creatives. They yes, they were teaching, but then they would go and do a show over the summer, like you know, some immersive kind of show in a site-specific thing well I don't know you know they would they, yeah know, they, they were all creators so their little idiosyncrasies because they weren't just teach because you know what I mean you go from college and all that stuff where teachers are teachers teacher teachers to go into uh, an institution where it is an educational institution but at the same time these people are creators they're not all like that though so mm. like tip I went the first one I went to I got taught by five lecturers one yeah. of them was still working in the industry. The rest okay. of them were academics. And it was right. fucking shit. I hated my life. I last six, lasted six months before I dropped out and said, I'm never going to be an actor again. The second time I right. went to drama school, after mm. I rejoined after the pandemic, every single lecturer was working in the industry, had an agent, knew what they were doing. I remember one lecturer walked in one day and she said, oh, I'm really sorry, I'm, I'm not going to be in next week because I'm going on tour with Frantic Assembly. And it was so beneficial. So anybody mm. out there that's applying to drama schools, look for the ones who have working actors on their staff. Yeah, 100%. They know what you're trying to do. I can't say uh, otherwise, because that was definitely my experience. But also, my my one of the things that I don't think people liked about our course at the time is that it was 50% practical, 50% theoretical. Oh, I was 90-10. And I loved that. Some mm. people just wanted to act and and just be, you know, play the characters, just do, do plays all day. And that's that's great. But I got great benefit from yeah. uh, doing the, the, the theory part of it. Like, you know, I that's when I was first um, introduced to, like, feminist theory. You know what I mean? Like, mm. um, and all this other stuff but also like different ways of performing different types of performing like um different types of dance and uh, other kind of less narrative ways of performing you know yeah again so but even my lecturers who are doing the theoretical stuff were one of them who i was very close with actually a guy called uh, dr colin council um he you know we got our book list and his book is on 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 the syllabus, and I was like, "Oh, okay, right. Oh, you, oh, you wrote this. Um, okay, cool. That's uh, that. You know, what I mean, that adds a little bit of kudos. It's that mm. that was kind of like the academic version yeah. of this person is a working actor. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, this person wrote the book yeah. that we're doing the syllabus on. Okay, great, right, cool, cool. I'm I'm gonna make a confession. So, if any of you are my former drama school lecturers, please stop listening now. I never read. <laughs> one book while Is I was it? at drama wow. school and we had to write essays and we had to quote books and shit and mm -hmm. I saw something very early on I think it was a TikTok that was like you don't need to read the whole book read the index mm. find out what you want to talk about in your essay read that paragraph mm. okay like, 
but that's people that's in my like, class spent that's, hundreds that's, that's of pounds the essay hack, surely like that's the essay hack but if you there might be something in the book that you might be like, but oh, my like, lecturers for... were teaching from the book like right, so if you're talking right, sick right, like Uta okay. Hagen steps for acting like the destination yeah. exercise i didn't need to read about the destination exercise because we did it at the beginning of every whatever class it was Right, 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 right. You know right, what right, I mean? Right. And there was just something to me that was sort of like, I don't know, this industry or whatever mm-hmm. we're going to call it is such a heavily practical world mm. that there was just something to me that it was like, I would rather go to a Meisner masterclass than read mm-hmm. Meisner's book. Mm. Yeah, but again, we go we go back to our earlier conversation. You can have you don't have it's not one or the other. We don't live. No, in I world. know you can have both. Just you know for me, I, mean? like, I didn't read fuck all while we. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's that's fine. Again, it's it's, it's different strokes for different folks, isn't it? Like, yeah, I'm not the best uh, student. Well, actually, I take that back. I always thought for many years I wasn't the best student. It's just that there was very few things I was being taught that I was interested in. Yeah. So. And also, you said you liked the theory work. I think you were a good student. No, but that's the thing, because because it was about something I cared about. That's what it was. Something I was interested. Something I was interested in. So when it came to the fact, when it came to me studying drama, that's when I was like, "Oh, that's int- okay, okay." You know, we that's... had a theory class, and I was on the edge. I was like, "I can't do it no more. I'm I'm done. I'm not playing <laughs> games anymore." Um, a question that I love to ask everybody that comes on the podcast is. Mm-hmm. If you were doing a two-hander in the West End and the casting director came and said to you, listen, I don't know who I'm going to put you with. Who do you want to be a co-star? You can pick anyone in the world, but they have to be alive. Who are you picking? Can I say what play it was as well? Uh, What I always say is the play will just be made around you, but you can pick the play. Oh, right. Okay, cool. Because I was going to say top dog, underdog. I'll do that. And I would do that because it's about it's about two brothers set in New York. Right. Booth and Lincoln. I love that play. I think it's just finished on broad they just finished doing a version of it on broadway um with Corey hawkins from uh straight out compton and yaya abdul Bateen the second or is he the third i can't remember yaya abdul routine yaya abdul Mateen. so i would say top dog underdog and because they're two brothers it would have to be someone who could realistically play my brother i would go with and again don't if if they ever hear this don't feel like I'm disrespecting you by saying we could be related. Um, <laughs> um, I would go with Alexis Rodney, an actor called Alexis Rodney, who is recently in Willow, but he's also done Guardians of the Galaxy. He's, he's just a phenomenal actor. Disgustingly talented people. Yeah, yeah. He's just, he's, oh man, I remember, I remember seeing him perform live once at a workshop and I was like, this guy, okay, <laughs> this guy. Um, yeah, so I would either go with Alexis Rodney or, and it's only because of this this this, this play, Anthony Welsh. Like, I don't know Anthony like that. I think we met very casually over the years, but like we have friends in common. But I think uh, he Anthony's in Flatshare. He's 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 the male lead in Flatshare. So if anyone doesn't know, um, I haven't watched the TV show yet. I read, uh, the but book. he's been in a bunch of things. You're 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 known from about then. He is just he's super talented. Um, I don't know if it would, uh, yeah. The TV show's on my list, but I do this yeah. thing where I, if if something comes out on Paramount, I have to wait until I'm not paying for Netflix no more. <laughs> and then I yeah. buy Paramount for a month. Yeah. So, yeah, that that's the kind of, that. that's what I would, um, that's, it, I would go there. I would I would want to do Top Dog Underdog with, with one of those two guys. 
because they because also they're in my opinion they're beasts like yeah. they're some of the best actors out there and so the, yeah they're 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 both phenomenal so i'll be like yes come let's mm. go let's do it i have to carry on my campaign Catherine Tate. Like, it's yeah, starting it. to feel slightly personal that it's not happened yet because I've been mm. calling her out for hundreds of weeks and I know she's listening. She's a personal fan. <laughs> like, um, no, I she would make me look like a piece of shit and I'm totally at peace with it. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd like to do um, Shakespeare with her because I feel like I could possibly hold my own in Shakespeare against her, whereas comedy... Uh, but I know in comedy she's going to... Like, I'm going to look like all of the shit. Right, okay, but, now... If we're gonna if we're gonna go full on fantasy football, and I know you've already you've set the parameters, and I've already answered that question, but you know, again, I think I think Catherine Tate is is, is she's bad. She's like she's, and I say bad is than good. Yeah, no, no, you know what I mean. Like she's, and also you know she's easy on the eye, in my opinion. You know, if you're listening to this, Catherine, you're fine. Anyway, well, if uh, she's listening to this, please emails in the show notes. Please fucking email me. I've been calling you out for months. <laughs> Um, I think you know what if she, if there was Midsummer Night's Dream and Catherine, I think she has played Titania already. If Catherine Tate was Titania, I would play Oberon in a hot second. I think if we were doing Shakespeare in my little fantasy world, Macbeth is always a lot younger than Lady Macbeth. Is that is that in my little well oh, in your fantasy world? Oh, okay. The way that I've always thought about it is they don't have kids, mm-hmm. and I imagine that that's because she's a lot older than him. Mm. And okay. I think there's a line where it's inferred that she's on like her second or third husband. I can't remember. So okay. I think I'd love to do that with her purely mm. because I know if we're doing a comedic play, she's going to fucking mm. bury me. But I understand right. the technical aspects of Shakespeare where at least I can give a good performance. I'm still not going to be anywhere near her greatness, but they're not going to be able to say it's shit. Mm. You know, like the worst <laughs> thing they'll be able to say is, well, it was shit, but he knew what he was talking about. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I could see the review now. Like, and do you know what? I'm at peace with that. So, Catherine, if right. you want to do Macbeth with me, yeah, and you could play my Macduff, you could kill me. I'm not biggest Shakespeare buff, but I've always been really lucky in the sense that I've always been able to understand Shakespeare. Yeah, and when when I did it in like you know GCSE year nine, English. Yeah, exactly. And all the kind of it's like I've never really had a, and it's maybe because I I've never ha- I've always been quite irreverent to Shakespeare, mm. and that allowed me to hear it easier there wasn't ever that pressure to be oh Shakespeare is kind of like so I was always at ease with it but there you know my favorite one of my I don't know if it is my favorite but it's definitely up there Macbeth is definitely one of them and Macduff is the guy I was oh my god I was literally having this conversation about Macbeth two days ago on my favorite Shakespeare play it's amazing and I and I was and the reason why I was talking about it and I'm glad you cast me as Macduff is because we were talking about okay I need to be vague (laughs) <laughs> because uh somebody's doing Waterloo Road are obviously putting on a production of Macbeth. Uh no, 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 we're not. We're not. We were talking about um male sensitivity. I was talking to a talking to the director okay. about male sensitivity. And I referenced the scene uh, when Macduff is Macduff is told about his wife and kids being murdered by Macbeth. And that you know, there's the line um where Ross is just like basically saying like stop crying let's go get him and then Macduff kind of retort to like let, let me feel like a man do you know what yeah. I mean let me feel all this pain this is how a man feels this is how this is what a man looks like when he's grieving this is what a this is what a man looks like mm-hmm. 
he has emotions he has these feelings and he feels them deeply and it was something about that i was just like i remember seeing that a version of macbeth um at the riverside studios and the gentleman who played Macduff did that speech or did that scene. And it just, oh my God, it just reverberated through me. It was just like, that's the one. So yeah, Macduff, man. Mm. So you've heard it here first, listeners. Next summer at the Shakespeare's Globe, um, Macbeth <laughs> starring me, Vincent and Catherine, and as many other A-listers as we can get. Um, <laughs> tickets, I'll sell them personally. You just got to put the money in my bank. Okay. And- <laughs> And I'll do a yeah. I'll do a share round at the end of it all. Um, but yeah, <laughs> uh, we're gonna play a game now, and it's called yeah. Stead Right or Stead Shite. It's three stories. Two of them are the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and have been yeah. submitted by the listeners. One of them is a big fat lie that has been made up by our producer Heather, and they're all crazy stories revolving around the acting industry. And it's our okay. job to find out which one's the lie. And I've got the answer in a sealed envelope here, so I can play along. Because if I'm not playing, I'm not doing the podcast. My favourite things in the world. Number one, I was staying with a friend while I was doing a tour in London and I found out that every time she gave her cat a treat, she would have one too. She even offered me one so that I wouldn't feel left out. I politely declined. Number two, during my first term at drama school, I hadn't quite learnt how to properly manage my money yet and about six weeks in, I ran out of money. I was so hungry one morning, I spread a free sample of strawberry lube that I got at Freshers on a piece of toast and ate it. It wasn't that bad. Number three, I went to see an amateur dramatic show and one of the actresses in the show lost it and broke the fourth wall because someone in the audience was loudly unwrapping sweets. They just started shouting in the general direction of the noise. If the strawberry lube one is not true, I give up. No, the strawberry lube one is definitely true. I I really want it to be. The strawberry lube one is definitely true. Um, Who the fuck's eating cat treats? Somebody. I guarantee it. Somebody out there is. But if that was your like your go-to snack, would you offer your mate one? Like the only reason I would offer my mate one is if to try and convince them that this wasn't weird. Be like, what's know. wrong with you? Like this is great. What are you talking about? <laughs> um. Oh damn. Sorry. We don't could have you to go say for the, the same last one? one again. Could you say the last one again? I went to see an amateur dramatic show and one of the actresses in the show lost it and broke the fourth wall because someone in the audience was loudly unwrapping sweets. They just started shouting in the general direction of the noise. Do you want me I'm to tell you why? I'm going one and two. I'm going one and two. I, I mean. a true, yeah, I'm thinking three and here's my reasoning. Why did they specify that it was amateur dramatics? Because sometimes I've seen more fully fucking famous people break character on Broadway and shout at people in the audience. Mm. So I don't know. It's a bit specific for me. So we're both going for three as the lie. Yes, the three or three is the lie, yeah. Yeah, it was just a bit specific. But if the strawberry lube one is the lie, I'm giving up. We're ending yeah. it. I'm, I'm, I'm walking off this now. Oh, what? Strawberry lube one was the lie. What are you... Oh, man. Whoever whoever submitted that. Well, that was Heather that made that up. Heather, if you, yeah, I know you're listening because you're producing you're producing the episode, you're producing the show. Okay, Heather, I, you have to listen now. Now, what's <laughs> going to happen is if you don't listen, it, it's going to be this is going to be played for you. Okay. Yeah. Heather. I'm in rehearsals with her tomorrow. I'm going to play this. He- Heather, I at this moment, I'm so conflicted because <laughs> I love that you would write that down, but I hate you because it's not true. Yeah, same. So I'm very conflicted, Heather, and um, I I don't know how I, I I don't know how I feel about you right now. Yes, yeah. you know, there's admiration for such a great liar, but it is a liar. Can you tell she's a playwright? <laughs> uh, yeah, she's great. 
based on that based on that yeah. live, based on that the five thing, star reviews yeah she's um, great I do want to talk briefly about Waterloo Road. Obviously, for everyone listening, the full new series is available to stream on iPlayer. Go and do it. I watched it all in like a night and a half. Like, Oh, really? Yeah. Can I ask, well, before you ask the question, can I ask you, how did you find that? Because obviously, as a, as a, as a fan of the old show, it, that would, it, you know, it existed in a time before streaming, before iPlayer, where you would watch it every week. Now, our show still comes out every week, but you can binge it. As someone who binged it, how did you find that experience? Well, I think I think you're talking about two completely different times because binging something wasn't an option back then. Mm. I will now choose to binge over watching periodically every time. Like if a TV show comes out, I will never... Like for perfect example, I'm a massive Orange is the New Black fan. Mm-hmm. Orange is the New Black used to dump one series once a year all at the same time. I'd watch it all in a day and then I'd go for fuck's sake. I've got to wait a year. I didn't know it was available to binge. I tell you what happened. I watched it as it went out live the first night and I missed the apprentice and I know somebody who's on the apprentice this year. So right. I went to go and watch the apprentice and I was like, what we wrote. I clicked on it and I was like, Oh, all the fucking episodes there. I'm just going to watch it all. Yeah. <laughs> like if I've not got an option, I will watch things periodically. But yeah, I think yeah. I just prefer, I also like that you're in the moment and if you do it like I did and I watched back to back, back to back, went to sleep, woke up, watched back to back, back to back. Yeah. I didn't have to go, okay, so that is his kid and he's having a riot with his missus. Do you know what? Right. I'm like, you're just in it. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. The information is still fresh. You get it all. So yeah, I think that was it. Like, but I don't know. I never thought about it that way. Yeah, no, it's just it's just something that I, has always been a, um, you know, I've always, I'm like you, like I watch a lot of shows that I can just watch all in one go. But then at the same time, sometimes, you know, if we're talking about, you know, your Disney Pluses uh, and your and your Amazons and stuff, they do do mm. stuff week to week to week. So sometimes I will watch it week to week and then sometimes I miss yeah. a couple of weeks. And so I was just, I, I was just wondering, but I, I was just wondering, I guess. But anyway, when, sorry. When you live a very boring life like me, Vincent, when I you just don't believe that about you. I'm sorry. Going out in order to miss, like, see, when you're at home all the time, you can't miss things. Right. Okay. Like, okay. You have a job where it's like, oh, fuck, I did miss that episode. I've got two to watch now. <laughs> see, behind this curtain is my bed. Great. I work in my bedroom. Okay. You know yeah, I mean? I've, I've I've done that. I've done that before. It's uh, yeah, it could be intense depending on the bedroom. I guess. Yes, but like I said, go stream on. I, I think the great thing is it's a great reboot, and we need to sort of put our backing behind it. So go give it the numbers it deserves, so they can carry on making it. And obviously, can I say this? Yes, they told me I can say this. More episodes are coming this year. More episodes are coming. More episodes yeah. are indeed coming. Because I I had been watching it and obviously, like a few friends of the podcast has, are in it and I've been watching their Instagram stories. Like Ryan Clayton, I've seen him post so much shit about this and I watched it and I was like, there's got to be more because Ryan was only in it for five seconds mm. and he has been filming for months. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Ryan, yeah, Ryan's in it. Yeah, Ryan's definitely in it. Well, like, uh, spoilers, Ryan Clayton is in the Ryan show. Ryan Clayton is in it. He's also on this Ryan podcast. Go back and listen to show. it. Yeah. Um, do you have a favourite behind-the-scenes moment that we wouldn't necessarily know about? Not not moment. Not one particular moment. Yeah. But I am a really, 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 really big fan of any time we do a staff room scene. Any time we do a staff room scene, it's always super fun. You know, again, I, 
I mean, I hope you don't listen to this, Neil, because you're going to think that I have some sort of fascination with you. But again, if you get... I can see the pictures of Neil Fitzmaurice on the wall. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I mean, what can I say? (laughs) (laughs) You know, man needs what a man needs. Um, (laughs) No, but like when everybody's really cool when when we're all in a room together and it's just really fun. Actually, when we have staff from scenes, we kind of turn into big kids. And when you have like Neil and uh, James Baxter in a room, what, another one and, of my favorite uh, actors, actually. Uh, James is great. James is uh, they're all everybody's. That's the thing. I'm so lucky because no one's phoning it in. Mm. You know what I mean? Like everybody's coming to work trying to do the best they can, do their best work, and really thought about it, really put time into it. And no one's kind of just coasting along, you know? But also what I will say about myself is if I ever recommend you any Scottish actors or any Geordie actors, do your research because they could be the shittest actor in the world, but like hometown heroes. I'm like, yes, go. Like James is a great actor, like straight up, but he could be the shittest actor and I'd still be like, James Baxter. (laughs) Okay, yeah, but as far as your question, yeah, any any um any time we're doing a star film scene, it's always yeah. fun. Speaking of Scottish actors, I need to big up my man Francesco, Francesco who plays um uh, Dean Weaver. Now, he's from he's from Glasgow and he's uh he's he's a real Glaswegian lad, like no messing, mm-hmm. and I love that boy. And it's 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 funny because there are some relationships I have in the show. Or sorry, Lyndon has in the show that with certain characters, and my relationship with that actor is exactly the same. Like Noah, my relationship yeah. with Noah Valentine is very much like the relationship between Lyndon and Preston, other than the fact that it's Noah's personality and my personality. Yeah. That's that's the difference. They're not like we're not, but the closeness that they have, as you will see in episode three, for anyone who hasn't watched it. Is 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 there? But then you have um, the complete opposite of that, where you have someone like a Dean Weaver and Lyndon, who are just at, they they just they're just at opposite ends. Like they are just two very different people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, I love Francesco. Me and him get on like ass on fire. I love that. Boy. I know you're still there, so you may not want to answer this question, but I'm going to be ballsy and ask it anyway. Yeah. Have you stolen anything from the set yet? Have I stolen anything from the set? Yeah, um, I must have. I must have stolen something from the set. What have I? Oh, god, I can't remember. I can't. No, uh, you know what? Just ignoring the several sets of uniforms in the background. <laughs> you say that now, but I did. I, I, you know what? Is it stealing if you tell somebody you're going to take it? I mean, there's asking for forgiveness and there's asking for permission, isn't there? Yeah, um, yeah, and that's. I think it's neither of them. So I'm. I'm <laughs> Basically, I want to get at some point one of those like Waterloo Road sweatshirts that they that the hundred percent. You've the... got to steal some of the uniform if you're on a school show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, then I was like thinking to myself, where would I wear it? Like, I can't go for a jog in it because then people would be like, look at this dickhead, look at this dickhead running in 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 the clothes he stole from his show. And I would say, yeah, look at this dickhead who has a TV credit. <laughs> I've been um, on how many more yeah, TV no, shows than you? I haven't stolen one yet, but I'm definitely sorry, Cameron, Lindsay, uh, Di, Adam, the producers, and anybody else listening. Sorry, Jen, head of uh, <laughs> costume, but I'm taking one of those jumpers. Sorry, guys. 
well, to all of the producers, I know you're still filming. I will work for relatively cheaply. Food and flights. That's all I asked for. Um, <laughs> emails in the show notes below. Um, I know we're only just getting started with Waterloo Road. And although you've been in it quite a lot, your storylines have only just sort of been hinted at. And we're only just starting to get a picture of what um, Mr. King's like. But without ruining anything or without saying anything you're not supposed to in one word, how would you um, describe what's coming up for Lyndon King? Redemption. That's not what I thought you were going to say. Oh, now I'm interested. What were you, you going to think? What were you going to? Because oh, I thought he was going to become an even bigger asshole. Um, but if you're redemption. saying he gets redempted, no, that I'm means not he's going to become I'm nice. Not saying he, I'm not saying he gets it, but I don't think it's spoilers to say he's seeking it out. But also, it's kind of, that. you know what? That still means he's going to be nice, though. Um, he's still going to be Lyndon. Mm. He still believes in discipline, and he still believes in in tough love, and he still believes in that. I just think he... Look, let's just... You've seen it. You've seen it, okay? I, I want to stop talking like you haven't seen it. So if yeah. anybody who doesn't want to know anything about the first seven episodes Why of are you here? Road, please stop. Skip for stop or skip forward or don't actually don't just just skip forward. Yeah, don't um, stop because I need the, the listens. Will be, the notes will be in the in you know the below yeah. where you just where you should skip to the timestamps yeah. will be the below. Anyway, um, so okay, obviously everything that went down with his wife and him and Kim. It was. It was. It's just. A, it was just a bit of a mess. And then, yeah, I remember watching episode six, and I was in the scene I'm mentioning, like as an actor. Yeah, I was working with Sue Vincent, the amazing Sue Vincent, who, who plays Erica Thorne, and that bit where Lyndon sprints out of the school to chase after Erica, and I watched that and totally just be an audience member. And then when he said the thing about the, the about. Dante in the car and she was like what are you talking about and I saw this is going to sound super arrogant please remember please remember I'm watching it as an audience member yeah I saw the look on on Lyndon's face and I was like oh you fucked up bro you fucked up yeah and he it's almost like at the happy the happiest point you're, you've seen you saw Lyndon in the first seven episodes was the beginning of episode six and then everything else just fell to shit yeah, and it continued to fall for sh- to shit through to episode seven, and then by the end of episode seven, he had fa- he, in my opinion, he had failed so spectacularly in so many facets of his life that he mm. thought he was assured in. By the end of it, the thing that he wanted in the in episode one to be the head, he, he had he had fallen so much from grace. That by the time that was offered to him, he was just like, mm. "I'm not the one." So you're. So when we when we meet Lyndon again after, and the thing is, I'm someone who's like, I don't want to double down on a thing. I like arcs. I like development. Yeah. And I think from episode one to episode seven, you see you see a change in Lyndon. Yeah, you uh-huh. do, and that's for many different reasons. But then my question, when we kind of approached more episodes was what does a man look like when everything he thought he knew about himself implodes? So that's, for me, that was the big thing. And again, without spoiling anything that hasn't come out yet, the way Seven ends, he has to really take a good look at his life hmm. because, you know, he, he, he's he got, he's, he's got some, he's got some, he's got to make some things right. He's got, he's got to make some things right. And it's, 
especially with his relationship with the, the the students. Do you know, I didn't think about it like that. And especially with his relationship with Kim. Like, because, mm. I mean, I don't want... No, actually, if you've watched this, if you've watched the first seven, I don't mind adding context to it. I think Lyndon really, 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 really cared about Kim. Yeah. Sorry. Lyndon really, really does care about Kim. Mm-hmm. He hasn't, regardless of what happens in episode seven, he cares about Kim. Mm. And when you meet him, he will continue to care about Kim, but he might not be able to do anything about it. To the producers and everyone who works at BBC, let's just stop fucking about. Just put the episodes on iPlayer. I know you've got them sitting there. (laughs) I know they're edited. I know you're still filming as well, but let's just stop fucking about. Okay, I'm going to defend them and say um, they may not be as ready as you think they are. Okay, well then, another word. Just I'd send you my email. Just send me the scripts. I just want to know what happens. <laughs> Do you know what? Like, uh, I'll I'll go off that. Yeah. Um, we have a closing tradition on the podcast where I ask mm-hmm. the previous guest to leave a question for the current guest. They don't know who they're asking. You won't know who you're asking. But the question that's been left with you for you is: if you had to create a musical with any artist's music, who would you pick? Prince. I can get behind that. I'm going to go basic white boy and say Adele. Okay, that's good as well. Have to, it will have to be operatic though. It have to be big. It have to be big. Well, I'm thinking I just want a love story. Yeah. Or like something tragic to oh. happen in the first. Oh, can I change my answer? Yeah. But I'm not going to do an artist work. It's going to be a specific album. Uh-huh. It's going to be Andre 3000, The Love Below. But I'm also going to change my answer now because okay, I thought it was better. And I have to do it because I'm Scottish. Luz Capaldi. That would be good. If you want a love story, I mean, it's good. not. I mean, I mean, some of his music is a bit grim, but um, I mean, it's what it is. Yeah, I'm gonna pick Louis Capaldi. That's a good choice, man. If you're talking about someone who gives you bang for the buck, Louis. I love Louis. Louis used to live a ten minute walk away from my gaff. Is it? I think oh I'm the God. only person in Glasgow that's never met Louis Capaldi. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. yeah. My best He's... mate looked a lot like him, though. Oh, okay. That's that's not that's not quite the same, but you know, I, no, no, it's, it's really it's really not. My yeah. my mate went to um we we have a big music festival in Glasgow called Transmit, and my mm. mate went there, and the amount of people that stopped and was like, "Oh my god, are you Lewis?" She was like, "No." And he's like, "Nah, son, nah, no." Nah. See, you know what? I know, I know, we're, I know we're going straight off the topic. I know you're trying to close it up. If we're talking about talented musicians from scotland there's, there's a bunch but like yeah. paolo natini is a bad motherfucker man paolo natini is a bad motherfucker and i, I just I, I sorry man he just is just I, gonna stay silent as a glaswegian no nah, there's oh my god he's got some jams man. he's great he's just not he's my type some, of music you know what i mean he's got he's got some he's that tune diana that he did that that ballad oh my god sing that boy he's just hey. not it's just not my cup of tea and now i'm probably no, gonna that. be ejected from the city I, I, I know I get that I get that but it's like it's, he, he's, he is talented man. He is I feel talented. like I need to give him a shout out because I feel like as somebody who sort of floats between England and Scotland he mm. doesn't he isn't very well known in England uh, that may have changed since last time I was there Jerry Cinnamon I would fully recommend okay Just going on and listening that. to Jerry check Cinnamon check out Jerry Cinnamon he's class I love it Um, what's coming up next for you Um, well I'm doing a bit of I'm, I'm filming at the moment uh and then we shall see you know what i mean uh we shall see no man well you will be at shakespeare's globe next summer with me and Catherine tate um yeah. where can everyone find you on social media to keep up to date with what you're doing 
Okay, so I'm on uh, Twitter sporadically um, at Vincent underscore uh, Jerome underscore, and I'm on Instagram at uh, Vincent Jerome. All down in the show notes below. I do feel like everybody's on Twitter sporadically at the moment. It's not a, it's not a good place at the moment. Yeah, but also I like I like pictures. I like mm. videos. I like I like I'm a, I'm a visual guy. So I did change my Twitter the other day because I discovered that I was on a different setting where you see like shit that's recommended for you. I changed it to just shit that people yeah, follow me. Uh, I was like, you just stay in your own little bubble when you won't know what's going on. Like only people follow else. me. Thank you. I don't want to see everyone else's bullshit. <laughs> I was like, nah, I'm all good. Um, thank you so much for coming on and doing this. Genuinely, I absolutely loved the first seven episodes of Waterloo Road, and I'm very excited to see where it goes. Oh, great, man. So well, if, you. I, I, if you just yeah. want to send me the scripts, much obliged. Um, yeah, somewhere here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, please, actually, please don't, because I'm in a rehearsal tomorrow, and I'm supposed to be off book, and I took a, yeah. a lovely Christmas break and did not learn any of my lines. So that's what I'm doing tonight, so I don't need any oh, yeah, you road scripts. Oh, yeah, you do that. And then, yeah. I'll tell you what. You tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, you, you can that, send me them. And I need some proof. Actually, do a video of you tomorrow with your lines learned, and then send it, and then I'll send you some scripts. To be fair, I'm going to be, like, completely honest. I wrote the play. I know a lot of the lines. Oh, okay. But what happened was we did the show, got feedback, changed the show. One of the feedback things we got was there was too much swearing in it. So now the hardest bit is unlearning where the swearing was. So now it's like, it's not sucking the fucking joy out of everything. It's just sucking the joy out of everything. Yeah. That's the hard bit that I've got to learn. I know the rest of the shit. I fucking wrote it. I can make it up if I right. want. I'll just change the script. Like, yeah, I've no, got the okay. power to no, do that. Um, okay. But thank you so much for coming on. I will let you get back to normal life. Yeah, amazing, amazing. It was great. It was great to do do this with you, man. This, uh, yeah, got fun. And there we have it, another episode of Drama School Dropout, episode 124 completed. Thank you so much to Vincent for coming on the podcast, and make sure to follow us both on social media, which you'll find down in the show notes below. And if you're feeling extra generous, please leave us a rating and a review on the podcast. It helps us out so much you don't even know. While you're down there in the show notes, please, if you've got a story for Stage Right or Stage Shite, go and click on the link to the Google form and submit your story. And remember that you can now become an official Drama School Dropout by signing up to our Patreon on using the link in the show notes below. I'll be back again next week with a brand spanking new episode, you know the drill, every Tuesday at 6am. But until then, have a great week, stay safe, I love ya. Drama school dropout No graduation day for you Drama school dropout Thought your whole course, now try something new Drama school dropout